Three, two, one. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Real View Podcast. I'm your host, Blaine Ward. And today, we all have a mission. Should we choose to accept it? Um, I have brought together uh, my own team, really, um, to uh, help me accomplish the uh, the task of talking about um, one of the best action franchises uh, going today, the Mission Impossible film series, led by the president of movies himself, Tom Cruise. Um, and I have a lovely group to do it with. First off... <laughs> Um, first off, you know him, you love him. I don't, he's basically a series regular at this point. Um, it's my buddy Chase. Chase, what's up? How are you doing? Nah, I'm on. Tell you, man. Um, thanks for well. having me. Yeah, what's your what's your position on this team? What what's your um what's your ability? Like, what I'm gonna say I'm I'm Luther. No, okay. right. I yeah, wanted to be Bing Rames. Oh man, I am Bing Rames, bro. This is bullshit. I guess I get I'm to, the one that started the computer I, call. Nah, nah, bro. I come to Blaine. I'm like, hey, what? What is going on in your life? How is everything going on? Like that's basically me. So that's fair. That's fair. And you get to sit down for the majority of the mission. Yeah, you, know? you don't exactly. have to be on your feet. So that's <laughs> you fucking asshole. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, uh, anyway, uh, so Chase is here, and then we also have um, the Center Rivals boys with me today. Uh, first up, um. I mean, what else, you know, I can't really preface him anymore, uh, aside from Ooh. the man, the myth, the legend he is. Uh, it's Brett, back on the pod. Brett, what's up, man? If I can't be oh. Ving Rhames, then I'm going to be Jeremy Renner, because I don't even want to be here anymore. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> oh, well, well. You, you wanted to be here today. They can still bring him back. They can still bring him back. Um, and then the other half of Center Rivals, um, Brent. Brent, what's going on, man? Yeah, I'm just going to do my best not to impersonate Kittredge. Okay, all right. Damn, I was hoping you would say you're Paul Patton. I, oh, if I was, no, it's also Faust if I'm going to be any of them. Okay, go. that's fair. That's fair. There you go. I, I consider myself tear. Benji. That's where I'll be. Because I'll be a nervous wreck. None of us are Ethan Hunt. Nice, no, nice. No, only one man is Ethan Hunt. And, uh, that yeah, is Tom so, Cruise. Exactly. So I guess that. Um, you know, I made a ballsy claim, but I think it's probably correct. This is the best action franchise running. Um, Brent, I'm going to kick it off to you. Why do you think Mission Impossible has stood the test of time? So the reason why this franchise, I believe, is still still kicking around is because they're they're bringing a lot of earnest action stunts to the scene. Like Tom Cruise isn't going to mess around. He's not messing with as much of the digital realm of things unless he has to. And we're getting this dripping stories that people love to see and like we've seen the success of many action franchises the fast and furious the james bonds um even the ones that you don't expect to kick off uh that that come from it but those are on streamings and we know how those hit i i just i just think tom cruise really has the answer here and people love watching this i mean i i've in my notes throughout the series it, it's shocking which ones have done good and which ones done bad but Yet we progress to where we are now, where we're about to get the seventh and eighth entry. Exactly. Uh, Brett, what about you? Why is Mission Impossible stand the test of time? Well, because every I mean, we we've discussed this over various Mission Mondays, but each movie is different feeling, but like hits all the same beats. It it doesn't get scale, and this franchise has been going on for twenty plus years. And we're still seven movies in finding ways for them to do the same things 
like with the masks and the the uh, the li- like the uh the larger than life stunts and and the the just like the the air of espionage this franchise has always been able to create and do it seven different times most of the time with different directors so different like voices and different styles bringing these characters to life but all staying within this cohesive universe and honestly this isn't the franchise that has been like priding itself on cohesion when it comes to its characters and its stories and honestly we don't get a lot of story when it comes to the characters we don't know i think it was just this movie we learn who or we learned benji's last name uh which i noticed in this last rewatch but it's it's crazy how little we've gotten to know the characters but how invested we are in what they're doing with like again seven movies under the belt and eight to come and i mean i can't talk about I shouldn't be the one to talk about the box office yet, but we will get to there at some point. Yeah. Chase, anything to add? Um, I mean, mainly just the same points they've grown each movie. Um, they always are hard hitting. They've worked out the kinks and they really are going for it every time. Um, and they always find a new way to, to top themselves or to at least try to, you know, even those playing fields and try to top themselves. Yeah, I mean, I think this franchise, um, you know, we've all kind of said that, you know, the stunts are unmatched as far as, um, you know, action filmmaking goes. And uh, like Chase, you were saying, there's an effort to try and top them every movie. And, you know, whether they succeed or fail, the fact that they're going for it, you can definitely see um, that they want to top themselves in every single movie. Um, And I think think it's just kind of a miracle that... um, Right, like you were saying, like every movie is completely different from each other. And again, there's not like a ton of narrative cohesion, but there doesn't really have to be. Like each movie is kind of its own entity and can stand on its own two feet as opposed to other franchises where, you know, you need a bunch of, you know, kind of research from other movies in order to uh, understand what's going on in this one. Like, you know, we don't. I mean, it certainly helps because we all love the franchise. Whenever Rebecca Ferguson so- shows up, we're like, oh, yeah, that's Ilsa Faust. But if my dad was watching it, he'd be like, I don't know who that is, but whatever. You know, we're, I still. But she's kicking ass. ass. Yeah, exactly. Literally, you, you she knows Ethan Hunt. And that's yeah, all they we might have had know. a thing. No. Yeah, exactly. Um, Look, honestly, like if if Tom Cruise just keeps on wanting to make his bucket list, you know, a movie, I'll keep watching. You know? Yeah. I mean, he said he wants to do this till he's like 80. I don't know like exactly. how an 80, 80 year old Tom Cruise can do Mission Impossible, but I mean, you know. I, I mean, mean he's uh, 80 year old right now, Harrison so Ford can, can do, do Indiana it now. Jones. Yeah, that's yeah. not, I, I wouldn't go that route. But uh, but if 61 year old Tom Cruise can do that right now, then I think he's fine. He yeah. can do enough. Yeah. So the crazy thing is, is um, so what we're going to be doing in this pod is uh, like um, Dead Reckoning, this is a. Uh, part one so we'll be talking about the entire franchise um in these episodes but the part two is not going to be uh on my feed it's going to be on the center rivals feed so you guys should check that out but um what we're going to be doing is basically going uh mission to mission just trying to um just you know dive into our thoughts on each one and how they've improved or um you know maybe not in some circumstances but um so it, we kind of start off with the first mission impossible in 96 from uh brian de palma and the crazy thing is is that um you know I, I i don't know if a lot of people would pitch mission impossible um as a tv show first like because that's what it was it was a you know a spy caper tv show from the 60s um that certainly had its fan base and then 
here comes Tom Cruise, basically kind of nukes the show where it's like, all right, the main character of the show is now John Voight and he's a villain. And now here's this random guy who's now going to be the star in all of these. Um, it's kind of crazy that the origins from, you know, I think when most people say Mission Impossible, they think of the Tom Cruise thing. They don't think of the show at all, really. Oh. Um, and that just goes to show uh, how good, you know, these movies have become. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, so... Brian De Palma is in charge of this one. Uh, Brett, what do you think Brian De Palma adds to this first Mission Impossible? Well, as someone who's not super versed in Brian De Palma films, I th- I think I've seen Carrie. There you go. But that's about that's it. Uh, I know I do know he's like very known for his style and he's got all the Dutch angles. And but I think what he does in this one is like just started off with a bang. I I don't think out of all of the movies, this one might not hold up. The greatest, well, actually, we'll talk about two here in a second. But this one, this one doesn't hold up nearly as well as some of the other ones. It obviously feels its age and it's more 90s, like air, a little bit harder than the rest of the franchise. Definitely a little bit weaker on the CGI. We, we don't, we're not, we're not in the era of Tom Cruise. I have to actually hold on to the train and let the helicopter follow us into the tunnel type thing, whatever. But, all the pieces are here already. You got Ethan Hunt. You got his team. You got his emotional attachment to his team. Dropping those seeds real early. That's going to actually propel him through the entirety of this franchise. And then, I mean, when you think Mission Impossible, like like we're saying, a lot of people think of Tom Cruise's movie. A lot of people specifically think of the scene of him hanging down in the safe room quietly trying to extract that thing that's like quintessential mission impossible right there and like i said it's what it jump-started this franchise because so many people were refreshed by the this was something i was gonna wait to say but it's like this the level of seriousness that this movie takes with its campiness it's like you got you got people ripping silicone masks off and that's and like completely becoming these other people voice and all with their technology. And that's goofy, Mm -hmm. but they sell it so sincerely that it works. And that's kind of what this franchise does. It sells the incredible and the like larger than life sincerely, which is why we get seven films that people all like. Right. Brent, what do you have to add about, uh, mission the first one well easily what palma brings is the right tension that you want for an action thriller i mean it definitely kicks off the early entry of one of the franchise's best um and we're we should have a, i mean a lot to think i've, I've seen a lot of the palma so like he he does bring his own unique style to it which you could say a lot throughout the whole franchise when they bring the directors on board but before i get into Tom Cruise, this this Ethan Hunt was originally offered to George Clooney. I don't know if we all we don't That's really talk crazy. about that that much, but it was offered to George Clooney, and he turned it down to work on a rom com. Mm. Uh, and then it, you know, in the nineties, the likes of Willis, Travolta, Cage, Gibson, those are all almost on board before we got Tom Cruise, and like he was doing a few good men at the firm, like he was doing a bunch of dramas, and he hasn't really led. To become the action star we've known him to be. So just imagine the sliding doors right there. But well, and I also think this, this is one... like our peak cruise power because this year is the yeah. same year that Jerry Maguire comes out and he gets an Oscar nom for it. 
So he's like he got the Oscar, but you know, whoa, damn. He yeah, no, it's 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 a very good in uh, first entry into the franchise. It's it's some bold storytelling because it kills off the entire team in the opening mission. Which when you're watching this and you're trying to sell it on Chris and Scott Thomas and Emilio Estevez, you're like, what? So then you just have to watch John Voight the whole time. Which I mean, it doesn't age too well in that in that area, but I I enjoy this movie, this one a lot. Yeah. Now, Chase, I know you're not a big fan of um, the first mission. Can you uh, listen to your thought process on this one? Yeah. Dude's a hater. Um, hey, <laughs> I, I will say it gets better on rewatch because um, I don't really rewatch this movie. Um, but yeah, no, um, I'm not the biggest fan of John Voight as the villain in this. I like John Voight. Don't like him in this. Um, and then... I like what I do like from it is that, you know, you are seeing, you know, like Brett said, you know, the emotional attachment to the team, uh, which carries on like later in the films, even to the newest one, the lines that are said. Um, But I also like how this is like Ethan's backs to the wall kind of can't trust anybody. And like, he's kind of having to use his resources and he has to, you know, make it, to the very end um, and figure out what's going on and who he can trust. And that's not an easy thing to do. Um, I could care less with this one, man. Like I, it's, um, I don't know. So the interesting thing about this is, um, you know, just looking at it from humble beginnings, uh, you know, this is like, there's not a lot of action in this movie per se. Like it's very much kind of a paranoia thriller um you know where it's constantly like oh my gosh you know is everyone out to get me like who can i trust and i mean to a certain extent that's what the backbone is to a lot of these movies but especially with the first one like it is very much like a psychological um thriller more than you know a straight-up action movie where there's a lot of like dream sequences and a lot of you know uh uh, did i see what i just saw sort of stuff like you're constantly doubting what you're seeing um which i think is a very unique you know position for uh like a first movie to take and they obviously didn't know this was going to be a franchise um but i don't know i find that really charming uh you know it contains the dna of what this franchise becomes but i don't know i think on its on its own i really like it um the langley heist is one of the best pieces of filmmaking in the 90s like it is just so intense and like visceral you feel it it's like the perfect scoreless yeah, it's like the perfect yeah. calculation of stakes and excitement and suspense. Like it's just everything combined in like this nine minute sequence. Um, which even to this day, like, still had me on the edge of my seat. Like I, I know where this is going. I've seen where it, he gets the drive, the floppy disk or whatever. Yeah, it's like, oh man, it's really just edge of your seat stuff. And I like the train chase at the end. And- Obviously, you know, it's still and it's not as uh realistic as um you know the movies down the road uh as far as the filmmaking goes but it's fun you know it's all in good fun um, it's got one of the best openings i mean yeah absolutely i mean it sets up the rubber masks dude we could well, all be wearing no i mean masks. that and when when he starts losing team members and emilio yeah. gets like crushed by the elevator dude that was, yeah ripped to the mighty that's ducks. still crazy that's tough that's like one of the most violent deaths in the entire dude it's like too. and it's like they show it yeah, like you don't think they're gonna show it crunch and like, but you you see it and you're like so taken aback. I remember, even though we've all seen it, I was like, whoa. Yeah, we I get mean, the iconic. The list is in the open line too. There's a lot of yeah. iconic lines in this and the deliveries, and 
the serious tones that a lot of these actors take for something that you know at the time was like wait is this is this what we're doing but they're going for it and even john voight is like hamming it up in this and, and i was crapping on the cgi action set piece but you have the not it, it's not the most extravagant death defying sequence but this is like him putting his life on the line with the big fish tank water scene from the restaurant yeah after his conversation with Kittredge, that dude was like actually running away from hundreds of thousands of gallons well, of water. They well, tried it they, with the stuntman first, and they, it didn't, well, they, didn't, they didn't know. They didn't do it. They didn't know when it was going to go off. So, like right. the second it went yeah. off, they just told Tom to run. <laughs> so, <laughs> do what you but yeah. like that's it. That's I think that's where he got like the the bug that like it bit him, and he, and then he felt like he Itch. had to keep doing it every time yeah. with the rock climbing. And so on and so forth throughout all these movies. But yeah. Yeah. And then as far as like, you know, the team goes in this one, like you were saying, like the team dies straight up. Like, I think kind of what you guys were saying, like, I like the fact that except it's, for Luther. Right. Well, but we, like, he's, so, you know, a humble beginnings um, <laughs> that we see him. He's kind of like a thug, basically, mm-hmm. the first time we see him. And now he's like just Ethan's bestie. And, you know, I love um. But I don't know, like, it, it's kind of interesting that the only things they kind of carry over are the only things that are in every single movie is Cruz and Ving um, without fail. Uh, as and, far you know, as I think people. That's lovely. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, they have the mass in everyone, but I, I, it's cool that a movie has stayed and the psychotic. exploding message with the mission. Right. Like everyone knows the your mission should you choose accepted. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows the, the like, you know, like the, this the, message the will self-destruct in five seconds. Exactly. Um, yeah, like it's already steeped itself into the iconography. And wasn't this like, you know, not, I know, uh, Brett, you wanted to look at box office. Wasn't this like one of the highest grossing movies of 96? Am I wrong about that? Uh, quickly. 96 box office. Now that box office yeah. mojo is fucking worse to look at. Jesus. Yeah, it was the third highest grossing movie domestically of 96. It okay. used to be a country, all right? <laughs> After Independence Day and Twister. And then The Rock and the Nutty Professor round out the top five. Oh, yeah, comedies have never, comedies have never hit that. <laughs> oh man, The Birdcage yeah. was number seven. Actually, I'm seeing this. Yeah, there's a lot. Of, That's impressive. Wow. That's why. I mean, I, we we could spend we could what spend a time, hours bro. All right, yeah. Was, all right, get off yeah. box office yeah. or else we're gonna get trapped. We're gonna be on that for a while. Um, <laughs> Just looking yeah. at stuff. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, yeah, I just think it's kind of quick. from humble beginnings. Is kind of my big <laughs> thoughts when it comes to this. You know, it's it's a very uh, you know, very stylized, simple thriller that has kind of led the way to what this franchise will ultimately become, while still being a good movie. Sorry, Chase, but this movie's good. All right, I, look, I have, I have. He has FOMO. I have okay. respect. No, 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 no. I have respect towards the movie. I yeah. just, I don't see it as the way that everyone else does. I have, I there are positives that come out of it. And... Isn't that a cop out? I respect the no. movie, but I still don't see it as. No, I respect the movie, but I fucking hate it. I respect it, and it's equal with two on on my oh. list. But it's still, oh. it still just hits you know, oh. the worst for me. There's no equal to to two. Speaking of two, yeah. Yeah, I was about to say this seems like uh you know a perfect anyway. time to pivot. Into that. <laughs> 
the sequel. So, you know, after a nice action thriller, you know, very paranoia heavy in 96, we follow that up with Mission Impossible 2. Uh, you know, entering the the uh 2000s in 2000, directed by John Woo, um from Face Off, Hard Boiled, The Killer, Fan, uh Hard Target as well. Um, you know, I think uh everyone views this as the low point of the franchise. Now, I know some people defend it, and to those people I say uh, you know, I, I, I respect that. Opinion, I actually, but... I literally had this conversation with one of my best friends, dad, who I've <laughs> the first mission impossible movie I've ever seen was mission impossible Two because of that gentleman, we would watch it whenever we'd go over to his house and I'd like sleep over <laughs> as a child and he would put on mission impossible Two because, and, oh, I, and just like, I, oh, what, you would go over to an adult's house. No, my friend, Dom, my best friend Dominic, and his okay. dad put the movie on. I just all I heard was the da- like I, you completely forgot. Dominic. Yeah, me and like, my yeah, best friend's there. dad would like hang out sometimes, <laughs> and we would watch Mission Impossible <laughs> movies, and it was just the two of us. But it was cool, bro. It was fine. It was sick. We yeah, didn't do sick. anything. It was <laughs> your mission with that last part. Anyways, oh Jesus, Mission Impossible two. Um, Any yeah, I, you know this two is possible most- two mission. Exactly. <laughs> this is kind of the most radical departure from the series, at least in my opinion, um, because, you know, while the first one could be classified as a thriller, this is kind of just balls to the wall in conception. I think it's balls to the wall action. Um, but it's and not. It's just, yeah, <laughs> it's, like it's so boring. I it's, feel like there's so much doubt. You only remember the action from this movie, and that makes up about 35 minutes of the film. I was gonna say, like, we have the opening five minutes, right, where he's yes. rock climbing. That's fun, and then we have the motorcycle chase, which while over the top, yes. At least there's a jolt of energy that I get. There's in that also last a sexual stretch. tension car crash. <laughs> and listen, me and who? That's all I'm saying. Yeah, exactly, um, exactly. But yeah, I I don't know. I feel like this one. I, I, I'm not a fan, um, and I don't think most people are. I respect the people who, um, you know, fight for it, but I just find it so boring. And Ethan Hunt, it's a problem that the first three movies have particularly, but, like, Ethan Hunt's character changes radically every single movie. And it's yeah. not saying there's a lot to him, <laughs> and it's not saying there needs to be a lot to him. But in this one, he's like James Bond. Like, he's just James Bond. He's like, oh, I have sex with women and I'm really yeah, hot. He's all swagger and one-liners. It's weird. Yeah, exactly. Which, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm not opposed to Tom Cruise doing that. But in a Mission Impossible sequel, where they're still trying to, like, iron out the kinks, it's like, I don't know what they're going This for wasn't here. the same person. This wasn't the same dude that was truly invested in just, like, the mission of the first one. He turns yeah. around and he's like, it's literally, I think John Woo just wanted to make a James Bond movie. And yeah. they were like, no, you can have this character. And he's right. like, "Can I keep my doves?" And they're like, "You wouldn't <laughs> yeah. want it any other way, John." Hundred, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I will take it. Um, he's like, "Fine." <laughs> it's one of the best parts of the damn movie. Is but the I feel like doves. I feel like all of these elements should work. Like John Woo, Face Off is one of the best action. Movies the action, I, I would say, the action is better than in the first one because it's like Probably, just like yeah. more more streamlined. Like you have like these really high octane sequences that feel more realistic than like what the train sequence did for me. So I can give this movie that, but there's just so much down. We need like 85 edits between a a two minute action scene. Yes. But see, (laughs) we were counting the cuts and we were like, Oh, 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 40, 40. Yeah. 
it probably cuts about a thousand times in the motorcycle sequence. It's insane. <laughs> That's part your- of the filmmaking. But yeah, I'm, <laughs> the, the law. It's the long portions of this movie that are spent with this boring conversation about like Greek history and an unrealistic romantic relationship between like Ethan Hunt and like Paula Patton, who's hot, but like. It's Sandy Newton. Ethan is not in yeah, this for the say, women. Paul Come, on, Come on, Ethan's all about the mission. And he's still bro. he's still doubling down. It's Sandy Newton, my guy. It's Sandy Newton. Oh, Paul, Paul Patton's four. Oh, that is four. Yeah, there's too many women in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent there's take. one. There's one. Excellent take. Um, there's one now, different one. Now, I think Chase, one of the I know, more shocking. I, I, what, Brent? What were you going to say? I was going to say the more shocking thing with this film aside from the John Woo aspect to it and his signature spilled all over uh, is the fact that Duggery Scott plays the villain one of the weakest of the entries in the yeah. franchise. I don't but even know his name. For, if it wasn't for this film he would be playing Wolverine in the X-Men universe so the sliding door moment between him and Hugh Jackman is is astonishing because yeah. there, there could have been that could have been the case. They're like, oh, we can't get this guy because he's doing Mission Impossible. Uh, I just saw Oklahoma on Broadway. <laughs> That's basically That's the guy. <laughs> oh, hey, I think everything fell into place. <laughs> yeah. We we don't yeah. see Scott anymore. Well, and, and he's I mean, not even like he doesn't really I give off a fucking wait for Deadpool three boys. In he doesn't give same if they ever get back to filming it. Well, guys, this he, is a mission pod. Yeah, Sorry. come on, people. We're not talking about the MCU. No, she will self-destruct in five. No, um, <laughs> this <but> Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is, I don't think Dungaree Scott leaves that much of an impression as a villain. There's one threatening scene that he gets from like the uh, the finger clipper thing, like, and that's like winsworthy. But like as a villain, I don't know what he wants. I don't know what the plot of this movie really is. I know he like is this the one where he wants to like inflate stock scores? Is that this one or is that three? he's trying? It's this is the um, what's the, his goal? The, the virus. Chemical. Yeah, okay. Virus. Okay. Yeah. Well, whatever. You know, I, I, the fact that I'm he's, waving my and it's not to say like he is stock stuff though, because like he's trying to like take over like as a company. Okay. See, but like I, I feel like these mission movies need to be like simple when they come to like the threat, because most of them it's just oh no a bomb or oh no a virus. This one I'm like yeah. what what are we doing here? I know Ethan's supposed to fight this guy, but I don't know. Chase, I know you defend this movie. Talk about it for a second. Why do you like this? John Woo. That's literally that's literally hundred percent. Like without the John that's, Woo aspect. Probably of, just in the first one. Nah. John Woo like his style of filmmaking is what makes this, but also like that's what gets us, you know, a little bit closer to what these mission movies have actually become. Like if you didn't add and revamp the action portion of things with this movie. I don't think we would have got what we've gotten today. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, you know, his style is certainly there. Um, in the yes, all, out, but... all the all the bullets flying every five seconds. Just like I just wish that was the whole movie. That's what I think. Clip, I wish that was the like... whole movie. Because there's so much downtime with the villain and like Danny Newton, who you know has never looked better. But it's like, gosh, I don't know anything about her aside from she wants to sleep with you. Yeah. Which don't we all, but, you know, it's like, I don't know. They, they have, literally... They no what did you say? Yeah. They have no chemistry. Like, yeah. Well, the best, we the best about... part... The best part is, like, the whole... The whole, um... Like, when Sandy Newton was talking out about, like, Tom, 
and everything and talking about how like stressed he was on this movie and like getting it right like he basically made like a pimple like appear on his face and like during our rewatch i noticed it and saw the white head like appear in a couple of seeds that were not there before it was kind of funny damn yeah i don't know i just don't think this movie works i think it is too long like, i was bored and i don't want to be bored by a mission impossible movie um fair and i think with the energy that i think people say it has it has it for spurts like i like the opening scene where he's rock climbing because he's actually doing that you're like oh my god he's a madman and then at the end where they're motorcycle chasing i don't know who's who but i'm like this is kind of fun um i i, I don't know it just loses what the I, what they definitely get right is the action portion of it sure like that's that's what i see the positive in in this film what what they completely just kind of throw off the other side of the cliff is any sort of character development any plot any everything yeah going with that it's like john will was directing fast and fierce movies before fast and fierce movies were being directed right oh forgetting the wrong. only action if they I, are I being think directed at this point you the one thing this franchise what well, the sequel did get right was it became the highest grossing film of 2000 uh yeah. worldwide not in second domestic and that is what you want when you're making a sequel and I mean, this has Tom Cruise with long hair. One of the wildest entries yeah. we get with that. Uh, I, I want to note, though, it was really cool seeing Anthony Hopkins as Swanbeck. Uh, yeah, he's good. My favorite little he's having fun. three minute cameo. Yeah. I mean, he checked. But yeah, he <laughs> there's there's when you go to rewatch these films, it's not like I'm not like going to skip this entry, if that makes it. like I'm going to always still watch the number two, even though the correlation with where it stands as the whole is not on par. I'm not going to skip mm-hmm. it. Like, there's still a lot to, you know, when Tom Cree, Tom Cream, Tom Cruise is on screen. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. Watching. That was sus. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't be allowed to talk. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, Brent, anything final to add about Mission Impossible 2? No, I want to talk about the next one. Okay. So, that's <laughs> to, um, you know, the third entry, uh, just titled, and the poster says MI3, but on Letterboxd it says Mission Impossible 3. I don't know. I'm just trying to get these titles. If right. it was MI3, it would just be M4 lines. Yeah, exactly. Um, with, uh, yeah, so this one came out in 2006. Uh, directed by his first first time director, uh, J.J. Abrams. Ever heard of the guy? Um, and yeah, Who's so this that? I don't uh, listen. I don't want to be asking that question right now after Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> um, but you know, I this one kind of gets the credit for bringing the franchise back on track. Um, while maybe not having the highs of further entries as far as like the craziness of it goes at least it brings it back to the quality of you know kind of a spy movie that uh the mission impossible franchise has become and this one kind of has a lot more it's probably the most grounded of any of them really um because right off the bat we figure we see ethan hunt and he's uh about to get married to michelle monaghan uh julia um and, you know, just that alone, we're like, oh, this is different. Like, this is a different guy. And again, it might be whiplash if you go one, two, three, you know, not knowing anything about where this franchise goes. Because Ethan is a completely different character in all three movies. And I think what the later ones get right is they kind of combine all that into one guy. But here he's kind of the family man, you know? It's like, oh, no, his wife's in danger, but he's got a... Um, 
save the world while not telling his wife, you know, that he's involved. And, you know, the true lies, incredible sort of thing that I get from it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I, I can't go any further talking about this movie without talking about uh, the villain, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, one of the best villain performances of the 2000s, one of the best, you know, performers ever. Like he brings it and then some right from the opening scene of this movie. And you're like, oh shit, you know, it's about to go down. He's incredible. Brent, you're the, one of the biggest Hoffman guys we know. Talking about him for a second. Uh, I, we won't have enough time if I talk about Philip Seymour Hoffman, but the the fact that he, you know, brings his villainous tone to this franchise as Owen Davian, he's coming fresh off the Oscar. So when this, by the time we're watching this movie, he just he just won the Academy Award for Capote, and you, you're just really getting a lot of his energy. And there's also I would say with I'm without like going back and rewatching all of them ASAP, but I just remember the teaser trailer for this franchise for this film where it was just where Owen where he's being often uh, handcuffed in the airplane and he's just like I'm gonna find your family your wife your girl like I'm gonna find I'm gonna kill like that's all the teaser was and then you you don't even know what the movie is and then you just see Ethan kick back and like react and then you're like oh shit this is another Mission Impossible and especially like kind of after oh you know a, a maybe six year delay uh, of getting that. Like it was, it was so great to see that. And on, on the level of, you know, what this could have been, uh, we almost had David Fincher directing this with a plot around black market trade, body part trade of body parts and mm -hmm. Sylvester Stallone being the villain. So I'm just trying to also oh. imagine, imagine that kind of crazy world. But this, this has a, we see a different side of, of Ethan Hunt on this and i like that especially what 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 julia means to him and in, in the time we've been away and then just everything that we get with film seymour hoffman is fantastic and and the new additions within the team is fun like i really like carrie russell even though we don't get a whole lot of time with her and for jj abrams directorial debut this is the smashing blockbuster and really sets him on a course for what he's doing um yeah i mean if the man's I'm really known surprised for... he didn't do another one of these in the movie in the franchise well, if the man's known for anything, he's, it's taking a franchise, reinventing it, a lot of them. and running with it. And then, but like, uh, luckily, he didn't come back because we all saw what happened with that with the Star Wars movie. Well, he produced, uh, that's I a different he produced, story. Like, he's a producer on like all of them afterwards. Oh, duh. It's, like, anytime a bad I robot. see the bad robot, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But, that's his production company. Um, Brent, I know you were uh, a bigger fan of this on rewatch. Is this um what, what have you do you always consider MI3 one of your favorites in the franchise, or is this kind of a newfound realization that this movie whips? Nah, this was all up there for sure. Oh, okay. All right. I, I knew I, I knew it was between this one and Fallout going into it just because I think what makes Bond movies so so investive and so rewatchable and so long lasting is that they've had all these different like in eccentric villains, these these in, like villains that you enjoy watching that you can potentially sympathize with. But like some of them are just like cartoony monsters. This might be this. I mean, I don't think there's ever been a more subtly intimidating villain performance than Philip Seymour Hoffman in this role. Cause like, he's never really in your face, shouting, menacing talk. He's, he's always his like calm reposed self and, but he's still scary as shit. Yeah. And it works. It works so well. And like, 
like you guys were saying, this is not the most action heavy one. There is a lot of good shootout sequences, but I wouldn't say this is the the one with the biggest spectacle by any means in the sense of like hanging on the outside of a plane or whatnot. Right. But what this does better than maybe any of the movies is like tackling the shortcomings of the previous chapters where it's like got a more way more tighter and focused plot that it just takes and runs with and builds on the entirety of the movie. And we're constantly learning new things about the characters and their relations to each other throughout the movie. We're introduced to new characters like Benji, like in like quick things. And like there's, this is just such a, like a frivolous or a, like a fervorous pace movie. Like it is two plus hours, but you hardly feel it at all because of how well it's moving through the plot, divulging information, keeping you invested and just like rolling along. Yeah, I mean, the opening scene of the, uh, you know, the interrogation mm-hmm. is, like, automatically sets the tone in a way where it, like, you know, like you were saying, like, I don't know, the spectacle isn't as high as the other ones, but the intensity of it is right there oh, from yeah. the get-go. And in, in some of its best sequences, like, you're still on the edge of your seat. Like, the, uh, you know, that shootout with Carrie Russell is really great. The scene on the bridge with, the like, the missiles uh, coming in, intercepting, and, like, you know, uh, basically breaking Owen out, like, that is electrifying. It is so exciting seeing that happen. Um, yeah, I don't think there's a better it. opening in this franchise. Yeah, I, I, it's kind of unmatched just in the kind of how raw it is. Um, Chase, you're a big Michelle Monaghan guy. Um, oh, yeah. How do you what, what how do you think Julia um, adds to this franchise? It's a different side of Ethan that like we definitely have not seen before. Um, other than like the first movie, like we had seen that he liked, you know, John John Voight's wife, um, and you know played around with that. But like this is a whole. You know, I've got my ticket out of of uh, you know the mission. I'm kind of you know trying to keep myself you know retired in a way, which is not something that like you know you would think. This is just when Ethan Hunt you know, thought he was out, they dragged him back in. Exactly, exactly. And um, I don't know. I have the hugest crush on Michelle Monaghan, so like that's just. An added bonus. Absolutely. Well, the cast in this one is like stacked because you got, uh, you know, just a bunch of like supporting players right in their prime. You know, Carrie Russell shows up for a bit. Um, Maggie Pugh, Lawrence Fishburne, Billy Crudup. Uh, like every, I don't know. Like every time I, I'm always delighted. Uh, whenever I return to this by how stacked. Like Fishburne is chewing the scenery. He has that great line where he's like, "I will bleed on the flag to make sure those stripes stay red." I'm like, "Damn! All right, Larry." You know, um, I, I, I great, great line. Great. line. Yeah. You almost want to hear an Eagles cry after that. Like, (laughs) (laughs) but this is the first time we see the IMF as like an institution because we don't really see that in the other movies. Um, because here it's like, I don't know, like a workplace. And we've never really gotten that from any other like of the mission movies. And I find that fascinating. Yeah, it goes. It definitely goes from like an entire CIA organization to just Ethan and his team, like the rest (laughs) of the movies. Right. And I'm cool with it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it flushes fine. it out like yeah. for sure. Yeah. Well, there's also the quick. It's uh, like there could be all this other stuff going on, but we only really give a shit about this one team because they're the best. 
Right. Don't forget the like three seconds of Aaron Paul on screen. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you mean brother-in-law brother. Paul? Yeah. <laughs> When's he coming back? You know, I hope he's in Dead Reckoning. Dude, he should two. be in Dead Reckoning Part Two. Him and Billy Crudup, if as, you ask as me. the villain. Yeah, I I'd be down. <laughs> I, I, I watch. Be it. interesting. <laughs> he's like, you left my sister. <laughs> <laughs> I turned in the entity, and now I can't find her. <laughs> I You keep telling me she's a ghost, but I keep getting letters <laughs> and postcards. I don't know. <laughs> Didn't she get remarried or whatever? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To the guy from the Hunger Games. Yeah. So she real she ain't a ghost. She ain't hiding anymore. But I don't know. I I, I love how visceral this movie is. The Hoffman performance is incredible. The way he's able, especially to, like, like when he in person, like he does an impression of. Tom Cruise as yeah, well. Yeah. Like he literally put, puts the finger up and everything. He, dude. Don't don't underestimate the power of Philip Seymour often. I mean oh, yeah. well, and, and, gone too and soon. Yeah. And there's also like one of the best like mass transitions as well, like with with him in that bathroom mm-hmm. scene. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. I I it, it is unbelievable to me the fact that he's so threatening while his line delivery is like he's just throwing away the line like he's not even doing oh, yeah. anything with it's it just, and in that makes him like so this. scary yeah he's like i'm gonna find her and i'm, I'm gonna, gonna kill her, her and i'm gonna hurt her yeah exactly <laughs> it's like it's horrifying and you're like oh my god this guy's a menace like he doesn't have he doesn't have anything to hold him back like he's just a monster from the get-go well not that also goes to show you too how much we don't realize in some of those performances how much like your facial expressions go a long way. Yeah. Yeah. And, like your eyes, like how much that tells. Right. It, it it's an unbelievable villain performance. I'd put it up there as one of the best in the two thousands easily. Um and it, and that's kind of the one of the, you know, kind of minor issues with this franchise. I feel like the villains are like not all that memorable now they might be fine and in some cases really good um but this is the first one where you're like oh my god like the first thing you think about when you think of mission possible 3 is the villain um that's not to say that any of the seven pieces are bad but it's just like he kind of looms over the whole he is the set piece (laughs) that's right he is the rabbit's foot well, and Cruz is talented yeah. enough to like face up against him. Like in those scenes with Hawkman, he's giving it his all. Um, but I don't know. It, it's just fascinating to watch him work. Uh, is there anything else we need to add about Mission Impossible Three? I'm trying to remember. There's the rabbit's foot. Yeah. I know Chase, Chase, you're a big rabbit's foot guy. <laughs> what the what does that even mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, let me just get my pocket rabbit's foot out real quick. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Uh, the I think this is still the best score. Oh, like, I love the best the scene, invention man. of the score. Yeah, it's great, but it's Giacchino's not my. Gino's the man. I love. I, it's basically him doing like the incredible soundtrack with the trumpets, but with the mission. Dude, Impossible. yes, yeah, yeah, that's what it it's, is. You're it's right. Lovely. <laughs> I didn't even realize that. Yeah, yeah, it's the bum bum bum. It's great. Yeah, he's. He, I love his trumpets. Anytime Shakino's with trumpets, it rules. Yep. Um. Anywho, I mean, I don't mean. I don't mean to toot his horn, but right. Um. All right. Uh. And then that transitions us to uh, the fourth film, arguably the one that kind of set the palette for what these movies are now. Um. In 2011. Uh, we get Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, directed by Brad Bird, his live-action debut after creating three of the best animated movies full stop. Iron Giant, Incredibles Ratatouille, 
and then Ghost Protocol. Like, what a goddamn run this man was on. Um, and, you know, I feel like this is the movie that kind of brought everyone to what this franchise is. You know, it's the high-octane stunts. It's the, you know, the heist and the masks and, you know, the teamwork and the gadgets. It's like everything feels calibrated in this one um, in a way where it kind of sets the it sets the table for what this franchise is now. Um, I don't know. I, I watched this and it kind of shut up uh, my ranking. I just, I, I adore it. I, I think... The teamwork, the team dynamic is really great. The fact that there's so many really, really cool gadgets and they like they're all faulty, which means that the team have to find a way to like improvise. It's just that it's back so against the wall. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's... like I don't know. I I, I I found myself delighted on rewatch um with this one. And literally, like my only knock against it is I feel like the villain is like an afterthought. Like he's fine. Yeah. And it's like, oh, the threat is a nuclear bomb, but it's just the team dynamic and it's like just falls to the wall, just thrilling. Um that's that's a hundred percent more the focus of the movie. It's like the fact that the IMF is literally like almost non existent at this point um due to the threat that they have so it's literally just this team they're trying to work their way out of the corner that they've been put you know up against mm-hmm. and this is also the first one that tom cruise produced um so that he could actually do stunts um without having to worry about the insurance portion of it um so that's like why we get this huge like burj khalifa uh you know like moment in this movie that really takes it up a huge level from what it was and shows us what we can get in the future. Yeah. Um, Brent, how does Brad Bird uh, implement his style in this one? Would you say? I mean, he, he's a, one of those like unique contributors to the success of this franchise. Um, definitely brings it to new heights, pun intended. Uh, I, I think he works pretty well with Tom Cruise and it, it could be just, no, we haven't had this franchise in like five years. And so it was really nice to get that that return to Ethan Hunt and the MIF as a as a force because they definitely do that in this one. And and it, it has a really neat opening because, you know, me, personal f- fan of loss, getting to see Josh Holloway on screen for like five minutes, maybe. And like, I just I remember when this was cast and I was like, oh, he's going to be like the number two. Nope, turns out to be Jamie Renner, which I'm still not upset about because Jamie Renner was yeah. so great in this. Um, and and there's even the uh, the the little moments with um, Tom Willickson as the you know the lead secretary of that yeah. and all that, protecting protecting Tom, which was really neat. And I I think this is just probably like one of the those rewatchable ones where like you find a lot more to like during each each entry. I mean, especially just the way this team works and. Everything that has to do with with like uh, Chase was saying, climbing that the building, that whole scene is just insane. And then it ends with the chase through in the storm. It, it's hmm. it, there's a lot of energy with it, and and I think this one earns the respect it's gotten over time, which is being just a more beloved entry. And it like really brought the franchise back to uh, life because I, I mean, well, we were three, we we waited a long time to get something, and then I'm really curious if like I. I what Tom was doing in between all this to where he's like, shit, I need to find myself attached on, on this IP. Cause franchises were, I mean, aside from superhero ones, it's like you had your Jason Bournes and getting off the ground and like you had stuff that was happening and he wanted to st- still be in charge. Like, remember I was doing this before any of you were. So we, right. we I, it's, it's fun. It's a fun one. Yeah. Um, 
when Josh Holloway got shot by uh, Lee Sedu in a trench coat, I felt that. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love that. What a, uh, what a fame fatale. <laughs> that's right. Brent, you're the animated guy. Um, you know, uh, many people are saying this. Um, how did, what, what are your thoughts on Ghost Protocol? That's the word on the streets. Yeah. Uh, well, that's funny you say that because my word about this movie is Brad Bird needs to get behind the director's camera like and actually make more live action movies. I, I don't know what this man is doing these days, but give me something. I think yeah. he's one of the greatest storytellers there are. And even though Tomorrowland is a bit oh. iffy, and I think that's why he stepped away there, from there the is, live action realm. <laughs> I like that movie. And I think he should be making more movies. So I, I I, would love to see what he would do in live action with maybe just free reign in his own story. I More like the Iron Giant type situation. But, I mean, what he does here is I think he, I don't think what, I don't think he reinvents anything necessarily. I do think he, he, he pushes the franchise in the, in the same direction that JJ was pushing it towards where we are in the Macquarie worlds. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I mean, God damn it. Yeah, we get that. This is the, this is the movie where it's like, all right, we can start selling these movies on specifically these action set pieces that are going to just be 20 minutes of people in their seats holding their breath because you're actually invested in feeling that, like, you can't replace real life stunt work with CGI because our brains are wired to, like, pick out empathize with a person who is in a in a terrorizing situation like hanging off the side of the world's tallest building in Dubai yeah and we're going to feel and experience the anxiety of the situation because we know there is true uh, risk involved with what's happening but when it's CGI when there's like a CGI helicopter flying at a CGI train that they're not actually standing on you cannot feel that same way. And now that that is what this movie does. This is what the team that makes these movies like Tom Cruise, McQuarrie, Bradbury, that's where they are like, oh, shit, this is what's going to do it for us going forward. And that's why you get success, success, success going forward with the next three films. Yeah. Well, and they even they even found like because. They did, I think, three stunt on like a a soundstage, and like I mean, they get pretty close for what they're doing, like of getting that horror. But like at the same time, like Brett said, like you don't get anything unless it's the real thing. And you like, get it, that added it's... if you get the behind the scenes footage that they'll slap yeah. on a DVD where they're showing you, yeah, he's wearing a wire, but that motherfucker is out there on the outside of the building. That only enhances the viewing experience. Exactly. And the fact that they can do that every time they make one of these and do one of these stunts is so beneficial to the to the movie itself. Yeah. Well, not to mention say, the fact too. When we get to seven, I do have a word that for the people who are doing the last one, blah, blah, blah. But I still think it's like you can sell these movies on these set pieces because well, yeah. of how anxiety inducing are. But it it does it is a great thing that also surrounded by that are characters we've come to know and love now and that we are invested in and 
like now we got Simon Pegg being his hilarious self. We got people like Jeremy Renner who stick around for a little bit. Uh, Ving Rames is always back, you know. Yeah. Um, but oh, Paula Patton. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Got it right. Got it right. Sure. Uh, right. She kind of gets replaced <laughs> by Rebecca Ferguson a little tiny bit, a little bit there. But you see, you see the cohesion. You again, you see where they're mapping it out to go for the rest of these movies. And well, not. Not to mention the fact, too, like this was the first one I saw in theaters and the first one I think I actually did see. Um, So if nothing else, too, like it creates a new format for the audience to kind of join in on and then be able to go back and like catch up and then Mm -hmm. now be invested for the long haul. I I agree. And this was my first one that I saw well uh, as well. So maybe that maybe that's why I have a close connection to it. But I, I like, you know, I just think. All the crazy thing is, is that this movie was kind of in a little bit of a muddled production because they didn't exactly have, you know, the script was very confusing. And I think this is the first one where they brought McQuarrie in to kind of help rewrite from what I understand. Um, I think so. And, you know, again, there are moments in time where you're kind of wondering, well, wait, what exactly is going on? But then they kind of like it, it almost doesn't matter. Like, it's just kind of all right. There's a bad guy who wants to drop a nuke. Here's what we need to do now. And then the set piece is all around that. And you're too distracted by, oh, my God, this guy's a madman to, um, you know, ask yourself any questions about what's going on. And I think like I I just think that process works so well for this movie and especially what's to come with their style of like, okay, we just need to get the stunts out of the way and kind of, you know, work out what's the rest of it afterward. Um, Exactly. Like they they turned like even the ending set piece, like who would have known that you could turn, you know, a Carvana, a Carvana lot into an intense like action sequence. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially. But I would also say, I love how you're there. The ability for and specifically in this movie, because you know how Brad bird works with like character work. I, there's the, there's the scene where he goes through the window. He's scaling the building. He goes, crashes through the window but that's only to set up this smaller scene of this exchange of the codes that also yeah. is like the a perfectly choreographed set or like spy scene in itself that like it also flows, has the level of tension that it. you need that flow yeah exactly it flows perfectly from one to the other and you're never losing the tension even though you're going from watching a dude on the tallest building hang from his magnet gloves or whatever to just like them having side by side interactions without the mask where they have to just be themselves and like hope they don't find out. And the rush of, oh God, this is actually working. They're getting away with right. it, like yeah. unmatched. And then it leads us to a sandstorm chase where it's like, oh my God, my heart is like racing. Like the middle sequence in this movie is some of the best Mission Impossible stuff. And it's not to say mm-hmm. I love the prison break opening. I think the car garage ending oh, is yeah. really fun. Um, I don't know. I just think this is a perfect calibration of yeah, what this series is going for. When when he's uh trying to save the day and he's like, mission accomplished. Yeah, and exactly. Like, it's, not, it's not working, but he's still, and then like he tells Luther and Luther's like, you really said that? Yeah. Which <laughs> like is that, one of like, the was... greatest endings too, because it's like a, kind of a chill, like grabbing a beer with a friend like moment that they're just mm-hmm. catching up on. Well, well, and, so the and, other... you, and when we're watching it, we don't think of what it's actually showing us because we learn in the middle of the movie, like Jammer Winter was the guardian angel for uh, Michelle Monaghan. We're like, we, yeah, we, and he was led to believe like both the couples died and he carries this weight, but then he learns the true identity that like 
Like Ethan is going to always be one step ahead of anyone and everyone uh, when exactly. given the chance. And and I think that is really neat. And like at the end, like and I keep thinking as I rewatch it, like oh, Jeremy's going to turn around and he's going to see him. Like Brant's going to realize that it, it's all okay, but he never does. Like he just it's only for. Tom Cruise, like Ethan hunts in uh, the audience to see that connection and that growth. Like it's, it's one of, one of those where like, okay, this franchise is probably it's back. It's, it's gotta be back. Yeah. And it even ends with Ethan walking away and the smoke clearing and he's not there. It's like, that's movie star right there. The ghost. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and this was the first where we get the, you know, the, the title with them, like in a subtitle with the movie. And I freaking love that. Like, yeah, so it certainly cool. it makes it a lot more unique to have a subtitle than just oh two three like you know I mean yeah. if they if they had Mission Impossible two it'd be called Mission Impossible Dub Protocol. The damn, damn. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, that's fair. That's fair. And then and then you would be It's not bad. Yeah, yeah, Glare yeah. Protocol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lens flare protocol. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I love this movie. I think it's um, you know, like just thrilling in all the best ways. Um, like my other favorite scene, real quick, like the Kremlin when they're infiltrating the Kremlin and they have that wall that's like tied to um, you know, the perspective, and that's all yeah. done without any dialogue. Like it's entire visual storytelling in that one moment, and it's just like tension, and it's like, oh man, it's so good. I love that. I yeah. just. Unmatched, Brad. I agree with you, Brad. Brad Bird needs to get off his ass. Not give me another Incredibles movie, and just like come out with something else, please, please, God. We really don't need another Incredibles movie. Is, like, just give me, give me another, doing. give me another live action movie, like ASAP. Exactly. And get him with Jacino. Him and Jacino are like well, always made for each other. Um, but well, yeah. also the fact too that like he's proven that he can do action movies. Like that's a hard that's a hard yeah. enough thing to like do when you're you're even a successful director like in dramas or comedies right. or something. But no, to break sure. out of that like right right at the you know right off the bat like that's crazy. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. Um, is there anything else we need to add about Ghost Protocol? Um, we need Paula Patton back. That's all. Yeah, bring her back in Dead Reckoning Part 2. I'll take it. <laughs> bring back I hear everyone. You. Every single character. Yeah, be fast. Except and for Alec everybody. Baldwin. <laughs> but we'll nah. get to that. We'll get to that yeah. in the next one. Well, he screwed um, <laughs> Here's the thing. My last statement, and I feel like, uh, you know, I'm not alone in this. I want Leia Seydoux to kick me off the Burj Khalifa. Mm. Please. Damn, damn. It'd be mutually beneficial for all parties involved. Me specifically. It, um... I love Leia Seydoux. She doesn't even, like, I don't know. I'm just like, damn, she's so hot. Sorry. That's my Leia <laughs> Um, But anyway, all right. So we're going to uh, drop this one off here. Um, part two will be on the arrival speed. I will have that link in the description of this episode. But uh, thank you, boys, for being here. And uh, we'll see you all in part two. Yeah. Really, you found on Spotify, yeah. podcast, Apple Podcast, Anger, where we find your podcast. We're there. We'll see you guys in the next one. Bye.